the core cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is the family-friendly Shmup-themed podcast that's not into escargot, but we d- sure do like assault on our shell. From RFGeneration.com, I am Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru, and my co-pilot on this mission, as always, is... I take it off. Sorry. <laughs> terrible joke. <laughs> Oh, boy. Great. All right. Uh, As always, is Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups. Yes. And we have a special guest with us today, none other than some guy, the developer of the game that we're going to be talking about today. Welcome. Hello. My name is some guy. I'm the leader of the Team Overloaded uh, Studios. Excellent. Well, before we get uh, too far down the road here, uh, if you'd like to connect with us, we'll let you want to let you know how to do that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. You can also follow me directly at GameBoyGuru. Uh, all of the feeds for our podcast are available from our Linktree page. That is linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast. You can also join rfgeneration.com and come join us in a Shmup Club playthrough. Please subscribe, like, rate, review, etc. The podcast on your preferred platform. Uh, we have read reviews of the podcast on episodes before, so if you do that, let us know, and uh, we'll include your review. Also, join the RF Generation Discord channel, which is linked from the uh, front page of RF Generation, and we have a dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic there, where you can talk about the game of the month, talk about the episode, post high scores... Or talk about shmups in general. And also, uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch to get notifications of new streams, since I do stream the Shmup Club Game of the Month uh, multiple times during the course of the month. That is twitch.tv slash gurugameboy. We'd also like to mention RF Generation. That's rfgeneration.com, where we have a community playthrough that's done by our friends at the RF Generation Playcast, and I'd like to shout out to the RF Generation Collector Cast as well. Uh, RF Generation has a great database where you can catalog your game so you're not buying your 52nd copy of Super Mario Bros. Duck Hunt. You, know, you can make certain that, that you've got everything in your collection the way it should be and know exactly what you have. Yes, and... Uh... We don't have an iOS app app yet, but the Android app is very handy. I've been using that quite a bit. It certainly beats Excel. (laughs) Yes. All right. So the question of the month that I posed on Twitter is, what elements primarily draw you to the genre of shooting games? And we got a fair few good responses. So first up, we have... The Boot Rex, who says, overcoming challenges slash problem solving. And the Zen flow state you get into where you stop thinking and only act mindfully. 
I legit think it's good for your mental health. I replaced sitting meditation with shmups, and I have basically the same benefits in my life because of it. Mm. Definitely not playing Gradius 3 for that meditation. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, our next comment comes from at DubSRB. The drive to get better. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. The challenge that you get from it and the ability to map your progress and burst through those walls and feel like you getting past the section is a big draw to it. I have come into spots where before with the STG or spot where I'm thinking, how the heck did I do this? How are there people doing this? And then to actually be able to do it yourself, it, it just seems like you're performing a certain type of magic. Yeah. It's great. Uh, and Shmups, also known as Shmups and Stuff on Switch, says, it's a pinned tweet on his account. While I love Shmups, reason number 216, Shmups respect your time. No faffing in the menus, no half-hour explanation before you get to do anything, no landscape traversal that requires literally no skill, no padding, no fetching, no captain exposition, just get in a ship and go. (laughs) I think that's the name of the calendar I'm going to get you for Christmas, Guru. It's going to be Why I Love Shmups. 365 reasons. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you just you tear away one per day. There you go. Uh, I could dig that. That'd be amazing. Uh, Hauser says, It's a burst of energy, an audio and visual explosion, a sensory overdrive from the start. Yeah, there's a, a lot to be said about shmups, and I think we'll get into this too, where shmups are like food, right? You start by what you hear and what you see first and then you get into how does it play or in the taste, example of food here how does it taste sure. and I, I think that mm-hmm. with shmups we do a lot more with our eyes and our ears first before we ever decide to sample the gameplay it be interesting to expound upon this later on yeah yeah right. do you know what that reminds me of the alien soldier thing Sound shock, visual shock, shock. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, well, that that's sort of the uh, when you said shock, all I could think about was the uh, Neo Geo, or as my phone likes to autocorrect it to Bro Geo, <laughs> right. with, with their Mega Shock. I mean, that was their whole idea, you know, bigger, better sprites, and I. I th- It'll be interesting to see... Uh, well, we'll talk about this later. Uh, yeah. Our next comment comes to us from at in CSC. It's immediate test of execution, reflex, memory, and focus. Skills that transfer over to basically all action games. Yeah, there is something to be said, and it was said in an earlier comment, where you sort of get in that, that state where you can block things out, and it's just like with a pinball machine, I know I've heard people like Mark MSX compare it to pinball as well, where you sort of get in the zone where you can start keep keeping things out of your periphery. I'm not going to start calling like STG wizard like Tommy here, but it's there's something to it that I appreciate with Schmutz, where 
it's just you in the game. And you don't get that from many other genres. It's like a date. And I've been on one, but... It's like a date. It's that you're the player, and your date's the schmuck. <laughs> Our next comic comes from Danmakuman 1. Danmakuman 1. He says it's simple to play, most of the time, and hard to master. 99% of the games have awesome music. That's a fact. Yeah, shmups are very well known for excellent soundtracks. Um, obviously, there are a handful of stinkers here and there. Um, <laughs> Mosquitoes. Very rarely, though. 1942, so. I'm looking at you. but uh, I'm looking at eight forces. <laughs> right. I had to play that for Callus. And that was the only thing I could hear for that week. Wow. Yeah, but <sighs> uh, yeah, but yeah. Generally speaking, the the games usually have outstanding music. Uh, at Fireshark MD, also known as Corkman here on RF Generation, says, "I come for the chaotic Twitch gameplay. I stay for the Zen meditative state when playing them." I hear that a lot. That seems to be a thing that more and more people are saying, that uh, they see shmups as kind of this zen game. I don't see that. That's not my thing. It doesn't happen to me. I do get in the zone sometimes, but I certainly don't have a, a zen state while I'm playing them. Oh, I, I... There's two sides to the coin. <laughs> yeah. There's the zen state, then there's reset heck. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, perpetual rage quit. <laughs> I have to say, though, there's nothing like that. It's almost like when people are describing a runner's high when we're talking with that Zen state, is there's nothing like being able to just navigate your ship through a, a hail of bullets and successfully come out. There's a really good rush that comes with that, and it. It, I guess the closest I could come up to is like a runner's high. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, our next comment comes to us from At Needs New Shorts. Now, hopefully we'll, we'll uh, get him some shorts Wednesday so, so that way he can change it to has new shorts. <laughs> we gotta start a GoFundMe. <laughs> I like when I can hold down a button and it's just blasting away the skill of dodging. I'm big on going in, guns a-blazing. You know, there there's a, a lot of fun that can be said, too, for just having that firepower and just hitting that and letting that go with the focus shot. There, uh, the, the Dodonpachi games are a lot of fun for doing that stuff. Uh, I think, uh, like, Blue Revolver is also another fun one where it just feels good to hold down that focus shot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, next comment is from uh, the Daddy Otaku one. He says, Dodging a maze of shots and rapid fire created explosions. Look, a good shrimp gonna have good explosions. If they don't have good explosions, it's like you're just shooting at a bunch of flat bubble wrap. <laughs> nice. Uh, at Stephalopod one says, Shoot 'em ups are great stress relievers. Quick to launch, and the good ones keep you wanting to give it one more go. I know that feeling. Oh, yes. Just one more. Our next comment comes to us from at Easy Racer. 
gameplay answer, something that is fairly quick paced and more about reflexes and dodging with weapons that feel overpowered even though they're not. I like it more when there's multiple paths through a level, even if there is a best option. Well, aesthetics answer. I love the shooters based more on mechanical world than an organic world, planes and robots, than, than more planes and robots. Well, we've got one for you. It's called R-Type. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, with, with, the, with games that offer dodgy instead of pathing, I think they're a lot more easier for people to get into and... And they're, I mean, Dodonpachi sort of had, or those type of cave games have a set route that you usually would need to follow in order for survival or for scoring. And it really doesn't deviate from there. It's not one of those things where if you were a new player to the genre that you could deviate from and get a lot of enjoyment from. So I, I definitely like Twitch shooting. I don't like stuff being pre-planned unless it's something that I'm specifically going for for mastery of a game. I, I do like that sort of random element chance. We talked about this in the uh, Project Starship X one. How much random is good in a STG or shmup to m make the mechanics not steam old, right? We don't want it going all 1942 where everything is sniping you, but at the same time we don't want everything to be pre-programmed because then you're just figuring out the quickest way to make your way through there's got to be something a little bit in between to allow a little bit more freedom and experimentation and I think I shocked everybody here <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer uh, our next answer comes from bullet pattern they say no longer deductions immediate action beautiful sprites huge explosions the music a feeling of nostalgia and the connection with my youth and a feeling of accomplishment. What's not to like? The best thing about it, I'll say about explosions is they have to sound right and they have to look right. It, it sounds weird to say this, but it, it's something that really, ever since Steel Vampire, it, it really hits home on how good a good punch of an explosion or a good looking explosion adds to the experience. If, if it's too much and it sort of just sounds overblown in your speakers, it just sort of, sort of feels like you're just shooting things with a Nerf gun instead of a laser cannon. Yeah. Uh, at Chris Josephowitz says, Primary draw is art and game design. For art, love the sci-fi style. For design, love the simple gameplay that has endless variations and tension between genre conventions and originality. I've often struggled to understand the draw, but shmups are perfect little worlds for me. Nice. Well, now I got that uh, wonderful world on Stuck in Blood, a wonderful world. I, I, I'm not going to say that. I'll be terrible. <laughs> uh, our next comment comes to us from at Fat Pug Studio. I like the name. <laughs> Power Trip plus high tech stuff. Power Trip plus high tech stuff. That seems a lot. Uh, Similar to what we're getting with with our, our current game of the month here. <laughs> yes. Our next answer comes from Maruyo Saka. They say directing the story and gameplay are and directing the story and gameplay are integrated. Nice. That is actually a good answer. I like games when they uh, sort of combine story elements, but. With when you're playing the game, 
such as games like G. Darius. Oh yeah, absolutely. Our friends over at, at CollectorCast say, pick up and play short play sessions. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't say play Dark Souls. <laughs> uh, our, our next speaking of the collector cast our next comment comes to us from at Kelsey Polnick visual style and cool weapons draw me in solid gameplay and awesome soundtrack keep me around yeah I again with the, the food metaphor I think visually it really has to draw you in there I mean, even cases mm-hmm. where you've got a, a finger for a protagonist you better have something interesting that Finger's going to do in order to really draw you in. And I, I think that Starship X did a pretty good job, or Project Starship X did a pretty good job with that, and some people might say it went a little too far with the eye candy and the flashiness. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it does draw people in, I will say. Yeah, it, it's almost like a resume, right? Your shmup is like, a, your graphics are a resume. you got 30 seconds to tell somebody visually why they should pick your game. You gotta sell them with your visuals. Yep. Our next answer comes from Pony Tachigen. He says that it's instant, no BS, teaches muscle memory and quick reflexes, especially with psycho shooters. And most shmups have their own unique mechanics to keep things fresh. Oh, and cool ships. Lots of cool ships. Cool ships for days. I definitely want to see more cool ships and shmups. Yeah, definitely a draw. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I could also go with some flying penguins or something on there, too. Let's go, or octopuses, or... Oh, yeah. Or oh, but it goes on rock. Go full, yes. go full Parodius there. Uh, at Gastari says, Originally, just as a way to pass time, I quickly got hooked to dodging. To this day, I think dodging is what I like the most in shmups. It's just so much fun. I could see that like as an iPhone game just by itself. You know, is there are people who just love grinding in LRPGs or, um, or uh, JRPGs. I could just see some of... Uh, it's just a shmup, but all you do is dodge. I'm sure someone's already made something similar to that for an iPhone game. I'm pretty sure they did. I don't remember any, but I know there's the I know there's like quite a few good uh, mobile shmups like Bullet Hell Monday and uh, and uh, Akato Blue. Yeah, and Don Mako Unlimited. Uh, what three? Those two. Yeah, two and three. Two and three. Yeah. I, I I think you're right, though, Addicted. In fact, I want to say I downloaded a dodging-only, uh, sort of a shmup practice kind of dodging practice game maybe two phones ago and, uh, you know, had a little bit of fun with that one. Ooh. Two phones ago? That, that could have been six months in today's terms. <laughs> oh, no. I... I I have kept my phones around surprisingly long. All right. Our next one comes to us from at DaringsPino34. Music. But then the gameplay interests me and makes me get into shmups. Yeah. Music does a lot, a lot for shmups, too. I think music is what keeps you interested and you just find yourself really humming along. 
I think it also, at least in the arcade setting, does a really good job for making things stand out. I mean, who 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 couldn't doesn't remember or, or who didn't grow up in the '90s and remember? Certainly remember the yell from Nom 1975. You could hear that across the arcade. That was a great way to announce, like, "Hey, I'm here. Come play this game." The attract modes in games are important because they draw people in to play them. It's definitely got to have that good tune of like, "Ooh, I like this. Let's see what this what this is like. Ooh, man, this game's sick." Yeah, I'm surprised that 1942 didn't make people go, what is that thing? That is annoying. Get that out of here. But again, it was 1984. It is. And our final answer from uh, Twitter people is from Gullum Live. They said, I think SDGs tend to be simpler than other genres. 2D, simple movement, slim inventory. Smokes doesn't need to be long. It's definitely those kind of comfy games that you can uh, pick up and play, play playthroughs, go like, that was nice. It's a real good way to pass the time. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to everyone who participated and, and gave answers this month. Uh, we really appreciate it. So now I want to talk to you guys and find out what what is it that draws you to the genre. And... I would say answer however you want, whether it's what initially drew you to the genre or what draws you now or some combination of both. Uh, you can go uh, first, Dickie. All right. For me, um, I would have to say shmups for me are easy to get into but hard to master. And I like the ability to be able to play five minutes or less and feel like I've got... some. As people would say, it respects your time or gotten something out of it. I want want to be able to be good enough to instinctively dodge stuff or be able to memorize patterns. But at the same time, I want to deep dive into stuff to be good so that way you know, I can channel somebody in, in Japanese arcade you know, with one hand beating R-Type 2. I, I want to be able to going between the extremes and one of the things I really love about the genre is a lot of the skills transfer I could be playing Futari and then all of a sudden I can play Denmark Unlimited 3 and a lot of the dodging and the reflexes I pick in that will transfer through and help help me get better throughout it's almost like a lot, a lot of the patterns that you see are copied or variations of, and you get in, and you is sort of becomes a second language that you're picking. Like, okay, so this is going to go this way, this goes this way. How big is my hitbox? And I think that, and be careful here. I'm going to use the T word. I, I think that that's what makes Toho so appealing. Is it's a good way for people to get their foundations. And their first taste of, and then they get used to all the different patterns. I certainly have been getting a lot better since playing some of the Toho games and recognizing those patterns. There was the first boss of Assault Shell, which I know Guru was having problems with, and I found at least a little bit difficult. I had an easier time with because I was used to those patterns from playing Toho games. So 
I think it's a genre that builds upon itself. It rewards your time. It's something that is quick and easy to play for the most part. And you can get a lot of enjoyment whether you spend hours or even a couple minutes with it. Yeah, that sort of mastery is fulfilling, isn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely never... No matter what type of, of bite you take out of your STG, it will always leave you feeling satisfied. And I appreciate that about the genre. Yeah, I appreciate that too. Uh, For me, what drew me into shmups were essentially me feeling like an absolute, the absolute ace. It makes me feel not only powerful, but also cool. Ever since I started playing shmups for my PlayStation 2, I've been playing Raystorm, stuff like that. It just makes me feel makes it so, feel so good when you're shooting down the tanks, then the airships, then the mechs, then the giant core. It's just that scale that you're going through. One de- one stage, you can be just doing shooting through a bunch of tanks, finishing off like a platoon or something. Then the next stage, later on, last stage you'll be fighting God. And just that scale of like action packed shooting intensity is something I always love about shmups. It's just that good shooting feeling. The good, uh, it fills your bloodlust, and uh, I say that's always good. Filling your bloodlust on a shmup than something else. I'm not, I'm not gonna encourage anything, <laughs> but <laughs> but for me, shmups, the the sort of power trip, like uh, someone said before, that power trip I get from playing shmups just. Makes me feel so good. Just feels good to shoot stuff, you know? Destroy them all. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think a lot of it, it started when I was, you know, a young kid playing Atari 2600 at my next door neighbor's house and early NES games. It's sort of simple joy of moving a craft or a ship or a plane or something around the screen and blasting stuff and just that instant feedback that instant uh, I guess you would call it uh, you know hit of dopamine or what have you but that that satisfaction that you get from I saw the target I engaged the target I eliminated the target you know and that's kind of a clinical way to look at it but it's it's these little these little experiences that come uh, in quick succession that sort of help sustain that kind of elongated experience of uh, sort of enjoying just being in the moment with a game like that. And I think when I started to really play these types of games more in earnest as I got older, I realized how expansive they could be as experiences, as as audiovisual 
wonders in a way, and in terms of throwing in new mechanics, doing interesting things, and really just sort of engaging you on multiple levels at once, and making you think quickly on your feet, and sort of stimulating you intellectually, but in little bite-sized chunks, if you know what I mean. So I think really that that's what has sustained the genre for me as something that I just want to continue to go back to. That that sort of trying to think of how to put this, but that arcade mentality of, oh, just one more try. And going back and getting a little bit better every time, or, you know, chipping away at something until you until you really improve. Uh, it's, a, it's a very satisfying feeling, and yeah, there are bouts of frustration along the way, but every, every hill that you manage to get over uh, is just another small victory on the way to total domination of a game. Uh, it's, it's just a very satisfying loop as far as I'm concerned. It's the little things that matter. Yep. Alrighty. Well, we had a small crew this month. Uh, it was just myself and Addicted, uh, Mini Console Man, Cork Man, and then we also had Reticulon join again. And, of course, for the month of September, we played Assault Shell. So, instead of doing our usual setup where we talk about the developer and kind of set up the stuff of the game, I thought we could, since we have the developer with us, maybe we could do something a little bit different and sort of, you know, have some guy here talk about, you know, so like I would say, how did you get into game development? What was your inspiration for doing that? So, let's start there. Well... I've been a little developer since I was young, around when I was three or four, real young that time. I used to make board games and get something ideas for games on paper. I would like get my little pa- little notepad, get some crayons or some coloring pencils. I would just just draw ideas and ideas and ideas. And a lot of the games that I concepted or drew up were in Kate inspired, and just a lot of. Since I play a lot of shmups, like Galaga, Raystorm, G. Darius, those good uh, Namco and uh, Taito shmups, my dudes are a lot of shmup based. Hmm. I remember as a kid uh, making a lot of Raystorm based things, like trying to see if I can create a sequel, or trying to do something interesting with the Galaga formula, stuff like that. And so, when I got older, around when I was 10, I was introduced to the programming language Scratch. It's this uh, really simple, really easy to get into coding language, which you can program just by dragging a few blocks around. And so once I learned a few things about that, I tried making my a few shmups of my own. Though since, since uh, Scratch is quite limited, I wasn't able to make a lot of good things, unfortunately, but it did uh, get myself into game development and into shmup development. And so I kept making shmups. I made shmups like Ark, Gonna Burst, and Striker Wing, which is my last shmup I made on Scratch. So 
after I made all those games, I was ready to move on up. I was ready to make better games and get a better engine. And luckily, there's that humble bundle for GameMaker 1.4 before uh, Yugo Games uh, discontinued support to focus on GameMaker Studio 2. I now have GameMaker Studio 1.4 and I started making games on it. And so, uh, since then, I've been improving my craft, working on games, and now I'm here. Some guy 009 making his own shmups and the leader of Team Mobile Loaded. Nice. Uh, so I'm curious about Game Maker because I've heard a lot of, of other shmup developers, indie shmup developers, and just devs in general talking about the Game Maker product. And so, what is it like to develop that in that kind of environment? Is it very graphic oriented, uh, or is there a lot of kind of stuff that you have to code? Uh, sort of underneath the surface. I would have to say both. I started out with this drag and drop uh, programming style, where you can drag blocks into the events, and it's really simple to just make simple games. But because drag and drop is so limited, I wasn't able to make the games that I want. So I eventually moved over to doing coding. And so I learned the game maker language, otherwise known as GML. And the whole game maker workflow is actually quite simple. Since you have sprites, you have all the folders laid out for you, you have sprites, objects, rooms, backgrounds, sounds, text files, all that sort of stuff is actually really easy to navigate. You can uh, go to the files, uh, select all, deselect all, you can create uh, new objects on the fly, new stuff on the fly. You can import stuff from other projects into your project. I always found that useful because uh, now I program something and go like, man, I really like this. And when I work on my next project, I take what I like from the old project, bring it to the new project, and I build up on that. And that kind of eventual bringing that on has really polished my games a lot. So it's really something you can build up to. As with Game Maker Studio 1.4, Game Maker Studio 2, I mean, they've improved on some stuff, but I really wish they kept a lot of stuff that they added in Game Maker 1.4. They got rid of a lot of, uh, a lot of the uh, sprite editing stuff. Like you can edit how your frames work, you can edit on the fly how many, uh, how long your animation want to be, you can add effects to your sprites and stuff, a little editing magic. But other than that, and, and another thing that I was uh, bummed out about was the uh, timeline stuff, since it's really watered down in Game Maker 1 2, 2.0. But other than that, it's actually a pretty good engine, and it actually works quite well, since it has support for PS4, Xbox One, and uh, the Switch, and not only that, it's also getting support for PS5 and Xbox Series X. So it's really the be really your only option since they stopped uh, selling Game Boy 1.4. But uh, it's really good for 2D game development. It can do 3D, like you've seen uh, 
Jet Lancer. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Jet Lancer was made in Game Maker Studio. And that game is Swedo to 3D. Well, not Swedo, but 3D sort of thing. Sort of. But it uses the Game Maker Studio engine to do that. But it's much easier to make 2D games in Game Maker Studio, so. I use mainly for that since I'm mainly a 2D developer. Okay. So then, uh, what version of Game Maker Studio did you use to make Assault Shell? I actually used Game Maker Studio 1.4. Okay. Yeah. So the, so a bit of a thing with Assault Shell. Since, uh, Game Maker Studio 1.4 is, does not have support anymore. I had trouble pretty much with optimizing the game. Since we've, we've heard problems of it. Uh, not coming up or freezing. I was like, what? This never happened before. I never got on reports of this. It's like, Game Maker, stop messing with me. And then there was the problem where it would run at 45 FPS on some people's systems instead of 60 FPS on other people's systems. And I was like, why is it doing this? Game Maker, why? And so it's like, man, it never ends with Game Maker 1.4. Two, I haven't heard any of those problems from, but I haven't really released games, any games from two. So he was hoping I get, he was hoping the games I make with Game Maker Studio two are better optimized than 1.4. Makes sense. Uh, so, in terms of Assault Shell's overall design, uh, mechanics, and gameplay loop, and so forth, what would you say were primary inspirations for those things? So, the main games that I derived inspiration from were Dodonpachi Daiojo and Crimson Clover. During that time, I saw people in the Shmups community hoping for a new cave-like game. And being the person that I am, wanting to give the people what they want, I answered their prayers. And so I started work prototyping a soul shell in July. I don't remember exactly when I started on it, but I remember it was sometime in 2020. And in March of 2020, I remember now. And so I was working on working on it. And I had the idea idea to take Crimson Clover's double break mechanic and add an extra layer of it. Which is the uh, hyper and blank stand system. And so while I was working on those systems, it started to uh, flourish and become its own thing. And while I was, before I was working on a sword shell, I was working on another shrub called Shift War. I was posting Shift War content on the Overloaded Studios page for a while, but uh, it fell flat, unfortunately. It, it was a ride in like, but it didn't do really anything special. So it was kind of put, it was kind of put on, soaked under the work for a sword shell. So, I began working on Sochil, and so Sochil was born. Yeah, I picked, definitely picked up upon the Crimson Clover type elements with the uh, burst and then the double burst and the chain, changing or, or the changing the bullets into those, uh, as people like to call them these days, big juicy cancels or big juicy points. Oh yeah. So, Big yeah. juicy cancels. So that was greatly appreciated that it took that system in there. I 
Def obviously knows the, the sort of doll system with the different characters in there. Uh, there was there anything else that was taken out from DOJ or from uh, Crimson Clover besides the break mechanic and some of the uh, character archetypes? Well, I would say the endings with some of t taking inspiration from Daiojo, we have to get there to see. Sounds good. I definitely need some practice to get in there. I can make it to uh, stage five on, on one credit. Just I think the same as Guru, but uh, any farther than that right now, I need some practice. Uh, I gotta say, good luck, and you'll definitely see with the ending where I derived inspiration from Daiojo. If you know what Daiojo means, then you might know what's coming. Some sort of blissful death, perhaps? Ah. <laughs> I'm not saying to get some napkins, but get some just in case. And if you, if you get close to your characters. Alright. So, I guess let's dig into the gameplay. Um, because obviously that's going to be the, the main focus of any shmup, is going to be the gameplay. So, Obviously, Assault Shell is a Danmaku-style shooter, and as you mentioned, the hyper system is kind of the primary mechanic. So the way I understand the gameplay loop is you shoot down enemies, and they drop these blue chips or tokens, and that fills a meter at the bottom of the screen. And once that's full, then you can activate what's known as Hyper Stand, which is like a level one hyper. Uh, that... At the point of of activating Hyperstand, any bullets that are on screen turn into gold medals that give you score, and then it also uh, changes the color of your primary weapon for most characters, and uh, makes your firepower more intense and do more damage. That slowly counts down, and there's sort of a a circular indicator around your ship that sort of shows you how much time you have left on that. And then if you fill the bar again while you're in hyper stand, then you can activate your second level hyper or blank stand. As you say, similar to Crimson Clover's break and double break. Mm -hmm. Now, blank stand not only increases their weapon damage more, but as you said in the, uh, uh, in the story of the game, it also makes the enemies insane so their attacks become more difficult larger bullets yeah. more intense patterns uh you know more stuff that you have to deal with but again uh when you enter blank stand just like when you enter hyper stand any on-screen bullets get converted to metals and while you're in blank stand larger enemies um th that are specific ones will also cancel into large groups of metals. So there's very much a risk-reward aspect to using hyperstand and especially blank stand within uh, the course of the game. And another thing, at, while in blank stand, any enemy you kill will instantly turn into gold medals and any uh, bullets you cancel that aren't uh, screen clears will make the tokens gold which gives you more score. Oh, yes. The game uses a four-button system. Uh, so you've got your basic shot button, which you can tap to fire your standard weapon, 
or if you hold that down, you go into focus fire, which gives your character a laser, and then also uh, kind of limits what your options do, uh, but um, primarily is with the focus. And like with most cave games, your focus fire does slow down your ship movement, generally speaking. You have your special uh, attack or technique, which is generally more of a defensive technique. Uh, so each ship has two different types of defensive techniques, uh, and those act as a means of canceling bullets and then converting those into those blue tokens that you can use to fill your hypermeter. And those techniques are rechargeable. So there's a meter that sits above your hypermeter that has two levels. And so if that's recharged at, or if it's fully charged, then whatever that technique is, you get the full sort of version of that technique. And then if you only have one bar of the two that is charged, then you get a kind of a smaller or less effective version of that same technique. Uh, whether it's a defensive attack, if you will, or a more fully defensive measure. Yeah, uh, definitely resource magic comes down to uh, either waiting for your special weapon to uh, charge up for its full effectiveness, or taking that risk of using it constantly to cancel more bullets. Right. Since when you cancel bullets using your SP weapon, your special uh, defensive weapon, it will cancel the bullets into the tokens that you said earlier that fills your hypermeter. So you can definitely uh, use your defensive techniques to fill your bar faster. Though that comes at a cost of uh, lowering your defenses and making you more vulnerable until it charges up again. Absolutely. One of the things I wanted to expound upon is with the focus shot. Some of the, the games I've been playing have different speeds where one ship will be faster with its focus shot, but the other won't. And I didn't see that there. Was that a something that you had thought about or experimented with? Oh, with other ships have been but, faster than others? Yeah, during their focus shot. Let's say this ship doesn't have as... The homing features, uh, the green ship doesn't have the homing features of the blue ship where it seeks out enemies, but at the same time, it can move a lot faster when it's in focus shot mode. Yeah, I, I bounce around the uh, range and potential uh, how broken it is. Since the, since the, we'll get into that when we get into the uh, character introductions. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the hyper button that will activate the hyper uh, and either put your ship into hyper stand or blank stand mode, of course, uh, assuming your meter is full. And then yes. uh, one thing that I very much appreciate is the auto fire that uh, you can do. So there is a, a button that uh, in like a standard Xbox type of controller layout, you have an auto fire that will allow you to just fire the regular weapon without having to tap the button to do so. Here's something uh, funny about the uh, auto. It's actually better to use auto than to tap the button because the way the game's programmed uh, <laughs> instead of the, the options, the option goes into full fire 
as in me you tap it. The option only fires when you press the button. So I accidentally didn't add that sort of auto that uh, mashing stuff for the options. Huh. So then if you were if someone was using an auto fire controller and wanted to hold down that button to sort of do the burst kind of technique, they they really wouldn't give them any more any more benefit then, huh? Yeah. Interesting. I, I would have to say that with any modern SDG, auto fire is a must. I, I don't think that, it, that it's it's a debate or it's cheating. I, I think at this point it should be a standard feature. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree too. I've said it on the podcast before, and I'll continue to say it. I'm I'm middle aged. I don't want to uh, make my carpal tunnel any worse by having to ram on the fire button uh, consistently just to just to get shots. Um, yeah, we can't all be Takahashi Majin. <laughs> that's right. I don't want to injure my finger. Yeah. One thing that, that I appreciate about the, the design, number one, the simplicity of the system. It makes sense. Uh, you know, it flows. But I also appreciate that you allowed for remapping of the buttons. Uh, because I actually changed the default layout. You know, I was using a uh, a third-party wired Xbox uh, 360 controller as my as my go-to, and so I actually put the auto fire on the um, the leftmost button. I think that's I can't remember if that's X or Y, and then I put the 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 standard shot button on the A button down at the bottom and then I put the top button as my defensive technique or my special and then the right side button as activating my um, my uh, hyper. hyper so I could sort of I could sort of roll my thumb around going from my standard shot I could sort of roll my thumb around to activate the hyper and then roll it back to sort of go back to my standard shot for while I'm in uh, hyper stand or blank stand, being able to get that uh, that more wide ranging attack. Um, plus, also because I found the default control scheme for me when I was trying to activate the hyper, I would a lot of times accidentally also then use my special. <laughs> so I would burn my special when I didn't want to. Uh, and so in order to make it so that I had to specifically move my thumb up to use the special, I wanted to I wanted to change that so that uh, it would be a little bit more, I don't know, logical flow for how I play. Definitely, definitely. I have to thank Boghog for allowing me to use his uh, remapping system. Since he also uses Game Maker 1.4 and Game Maker 2, uh, he gave me the uh, source code for remapping the system. And so, not only did I use it, I also allowed it to uh, allow you to remap controllers for your PlayStation controllers, your Xbox controllers, and your keyboard. Very cool. Uh, and I love hearing that there's collaboration there between different independent shmup devs that uh, you know, sharing of these kinds of things to sort of help the community and make these games better. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. 
even though game dev is in the field, we're not really treating it as a competition. We're here to help each other out and make uh, shmups that we also love to make. Very cool. Uh, Addicted, you want to give us a, an overview of the different ships and characters? I will do my best here. There are four ships or characters to choose from. The first one is Alpha PF-201A, which is the orange pilot, whose name is Vian. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Vian. Vian, okay. Vian the dragon with a forward firing shot and forward fine firing options. Special 1 is a wide intercept shot, and Special 2 is a frontal blocking bullet. The wide intercept shot, uh, fun thing, if it hits the side of the screen, it actually homes in our enemies above it, since uh, ref reflecting off the surfaces is uh, really funky in Game Maker 1.4, and so I just made it easy and have it sort of aim towards enemies. So interesting. It, it could be it could be used to uh, if you're at the end of the screen. It could help you get yourself out of the corner. As for the spell, sh as for the uh, frontal blocking bullet, it's basically a hadogan from uh, Ibarra, where you have a line of uh, shields going in front of you. Okay. So you can use that to uh, cover the bosses. Uh, Bullet spawn points and get a lot of items from there. Interesting. Okay, I where are going with that. Uh, if you do, you also want me to give a short character overview of Vian? Sure. Vian is the uh, hot-headed character of a bunch. She usually likes to uh, bully whoever she's piloting with. But she usually has a soft side. But if you get if you get her mad, she will and can kill you with her sharp claws. Word of advice: if she gets mad at you, grab a cup of water and splash it all over her. It will instantly cool her down. And plus, it will embarrass her too. <laughs> nice. All right. The next pilot is Beta or PF-204B, which is a green pilot and her name is Alice. She is the Maiden with a forward shot with wide shooting options. Special one is a burst defensive shot and special two is a random cancel array. Uh, the Beta is actually the ship that a lot of people use nowadays and that's because of Beta 2, the uh, random cancel array. array. Originally the random cancel array is going to be something similar to Jin's Wing Layer in Chaos Field, where it uh, randomly spews out a bunch of shields on the screen to block bullets. Because of that randomness, uh, it wasn't really good. So I instead changed it, changed it to uh, have shields instantly spawn in front of her in random positions, but they all sort of spawn in a line. So it's more consistent that way. And what players do is that they use it on bosses to milk items and score points. Because uh, not only do they launch for a long while, but it also has a decent range even if you use level 1 special. 
And so what we like to call while we were playing a, a social for the a social competition I had uh, in August. What we would call when we were fighting the stage 2 boss on this final phase, we call it the skill up milk. And what we would do what we would do is that we would use beta 2 special to put the uh, shields over the spawn position of the uh, wheel, the uh, spinning formation we have to go around the tank, we would uh, activate the uh, special, have it milk all the items, and do as much as we can while trying to stay alive. And a lot of the time, the uh, boss would usually uh, time out. But the uh, point differential is really, uh, really apparent since you can just milk a lot of those small point items. They really do make a difference. It's not like any big milk, like uh, Grega milking or something like that. But uh, it, it is a fun milk that we call the skill up milk. It's all, it's all a little uh, joke while playing a soul shell. That's cool. As with Alice, Alice derives the name from the maiden for being so sweet and so kind. She's the youngest of the four uh, Psycho Maidens, if that's what they're called. And so she's extremely nice. The thing is, if you try to uh, swoon her, or try to go, go a little, uh, try to get into it, try to hit, try to hit on her, she has a second side where she is a lot more uh, devious, per se. And there have been reports of her biting off the necks of, biting off the necks of people who wouldn't, who wouldn't get the sign that she's not interested. So she definitely has that, uh, has that, uh, side of her. If, if, if you ever trigger that second side, as soon as you notice her pink eyes, you better stop. Stop before you lose your neck. Alright, so uh, no means no. No means no. Alright, our next pilot is Gamma or PF 202G, the blue pilot who is also known as Susie or the Golem. She has a forward shot with homing aimed weapons, and special one is a front defensive option, and special two is a rolling guardian option. Uh, I kind of did Susie duty in this game, but uh, you'll see what I did to sort of redeem that as you go down the list. But with the special weapons, the downside of them is that, well, the upside is that they last a long time. Not only do they cover a large field, but they also will give supporting fire. So it, they deal a little bit extra damage when you uh, send them out. But the drawback is that they can be destroyed if they block too much bullets. Meaning that, meaning that if you use them in a really dense pattern, you just lose all of your options, all of your defensive options, and it can really screw you up. Unfortunately, I, uh, it, it was another dev oversight with the whole, uh, with Susie being slow. I made the whole thing of being slow and defensive. 
the problem is the defense breaks so easy, easily is that she isn't really viable. But she did. It, someone did manage manage to get it clear with her. Uh, actually, before a social 2.0 was released, uh, Stage Dragon, a uh, well-known uh, Japanese uh, super player, he uh, tested the social and posted a video on the game, and the character he used was Susie the Golem. And he was able to get a 2-all using uh, Gamma. And I thought, wow, that's really impressive. Good work. Yeah, Susie was kind of my go-to for the month because I sort of liked that Katsui uh, homing or aimed option thing. And the, the defensive option I really enjoyed. But yeah, I did feel like obviously there was a trade-off between having a more defensive ship and then having a slower ship. Uh, so it felt like a natural sort of compromise there. But... Um, yeah, my, my thing was deploying the, the I used a special one, the, the sort of shield deals that come up uh, and fire from the front of the ship. And I, I felt like you fire those into a large pattern of bullets, you get a whole lot of tokens right away, and you can immediately then activate your, um, your uh, hyper stand and clear the field with uh, a, you know a bullet cancel and get a lot of medals, and so that was kind of part of the the loop that I was in of use the you know or, or use those to sort of get into either hyper stand or a lot of times let my you know gather tokens normally activate hyper stand then get into a situation where I get bombarded use the defensive option immediately uh, get enough tokens to activate blank stand and clear the field and then I can sort of you know work my way through whatever's next there were times that I tried to use it more in a scoring fashion to gather the golden tokens but yeah that was kind of my my loop you know use that to to get tokens right away so I can get into hyper yeah it's definitely not, it's definitely a rough character to use, but it's added aimed options like you said, and with this focus shot, since every character has a different focus shot, her uh, secondary focus is homing the homing orbs that you see or shoot out. So it's really helpful to, not, it's really helpful because it not only deals damage to enemies, to uh, bigger enemies, but it can also uh, Luck on to uh, small enemies from the side to try to snipe you. And uh, Susie's character, her whole deal is that she's blind. She has scars over her face, and uh, the thing is, uh, she's quiet. She doesn't really speak much, but she's also strict during the missions. She, uh, usually commands their pilot to push themselves even further to have them complete the mission but she's also a big scaredy cat and that proves a problem since not only is she blind but she also is a walking monk 
and can literally punch holes through whoever scares her. She is quite powerful for being a for being a quite scary cat. Yeah, the, the scaredy so, cat part was funny in uh, I think it's stage four at the end of stage four, uh, if I remember correctly, where you can pick the option to oh, there's a spider. <laughs> Like, where? <laughs> Where's the spider? <laughs> yeah. Please don't do that again. Uh, yeah. Just, just, just that little uh, bit of character helps. Right, our next pilot is Delta or PF 203D, which is a white slash gray ship, and the pilot that ship is, is it pronounced Etia? Etia. Etia. Oh, thank you. Also known as the Knight, with a forward shot. Options follow, similar to Gradius. Options lock in place and fire a short range shot while in focus. Special 1 is a high energy sword, and Special 2 is a counter matrix shield, which has some directional control. Uh, the Delta ship is quite special since, uh, with the, uh, originally in 1.0, the options didn't do anything when you used uh, focus, but I made it so that uh, once you use focus, the options actually shoot and they lock in place instead of not doing anything when you hold down a focus. So it's that little neat thing. And the funny thing is, is that one of the people from the Elixir Smups Discord found out is that when you're holding down focus and you go to and you hold up at the top of the screen, the options will continue to go up. And when you go back down, the options are way in front of you. And so he used it to basically uh deal damage to enemies in front of him while not having to go up close. So he kinda cheated the way of uh cheated the point blank system. Which is funny, and I am absolutely all for. That's so basically park the options out there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it reminds me of of that one ship. I can't remember the name of it, but the one ship in Jamestown Plus, where you, where when you activate the focus, it sort of drops a thing in place, and then you can move around the screen while it kind of does its thing. That's very interesting. Yeah, it, it was a bug that I decided to keep because it was so interesting to see people use it. As for special weapons, the same person who told me about the bug also recommended me recommended me when I was making changes to uh, making uh, changes to a sword shield 2.0 was to make the uh, sword a combo sort of thing. So instead of having a stronger slash when you use the high energy sword at level one you get the uh, singular slash but it's still at full size but if you use the level two special weapon you go into a three slash combo so you slash from your left you slash from your right and you slash in the front so it gives that sort of cool one two three feel to it. The weapon is also the most damaging of the special weapons, too. I'm going to uh, go back and try some more of these ships with these strategies on here. 
because I had been primarily playing with the Golem as, as well. The, the playing as the white gray ship or even the green ship with its ability to stack shields sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as but oh yeah, Go I was ahead. just gonna say the uh, the Delta ship seems like it might have a higher skill ceiling, but you could definitely use that to your advantage and either uh, score maybe a little bit better, or if if you do it right, uh, also potentially increase your chances for survival. Yeah. Uh, Delta definitely has a quick kill potential, since she has the uh, highest damage output of any of the ships, but it has a low strength. But it has low range, so you gotta take that risk and go up there. And something special with uh, with its special two, the counter matrix shield. It has the uh, swinging mechanic, so similar to Agato Blue, where you can choose the direction to draw your uh, shield. And when you draw your shield, it converts any bullets. It reflects any bullets that it touches back in the direction. And so potentially, if you position it right, you can send the shield out, and when it reaches apex, it covers the uh, boss's bullet spawn position, and all of those bullets it will shoot that it shoots will go straight back at it, dealing a lot more damage. So you can just tear through bosses if you use it right. I was not aware of that with the counter matrix shield. I. Must not have played enough, or or didn't notice that while I was uh, while I was using Delta. The bullets go the bullets go quite fast, so it's all right if you uh, miss a little detail. And so uh, the character Etia, she is the mysterious one of the bunch, being the uh, second oldest. Yeah, no, second youngest. I mean. Being the second youngest of the three, she's uh, she doesn't really speak much to the others, or speak much to anyone at that. And she uses hide from anywhere she, anyone that appears with her. She does get along with Alice since they're around the same, since they're created around the same age. But with the uh, with Etia, she has a darker uh, side to her. Where she gets excited, too excited when she uh, goes on missions, and that in ritual training, there have been reports of her getting so excited that she snaps the neck of a pilot she's piloting with. So she she can be really, really ecstatic. Not to mention the giant sword that she's carrying around with her. It can deal a lot of damage if she gets. If she becomes uncontrollable, Candy helps her calm down. But when push comes to subs, they just go go, they just go full on horse tranquilizers and uh, tranquilize her down. Yikes! Yeah, she's she's easily the most dangerous of the bunch. And yeah, that that's a lot of horse tranquilizer. Mm hmm. All right. So our last. Ship is the Sigma PF 205 SX, which is red. Now, is the pilot Susie in this? Uh, yeah, it's it's in the uh, arrange mode void stand. 
Uh, I see we will talk about that later, but yeah, she appears in the arrange mode of a slow chill. And the deal is, is that we actually decided who would be the pilot, who would be the co-pilot of the Sigma ship, was that I put it on a Twitter poll. This and disguised disguised it as who's your favorite character? Vian, Alice, Susie, or Etia. And people voted Susie. And so with that, I I made Susie the uh and the ender. Uh, Psycho Maiden, which is essentially the one, the best ship for that mode, the special secret ship. Got it. Okay, and it looks like the ship has a forward shot options that swing back and forth based upon the direction of or the, of the direction or movement of the ship. Special one is the extreme temperature flamethrower, and special two is the offensive lancer. Yeah, special one is really good for defensive. Since not only the uh, flamethrower goes in front of you, it also swings with you. So you can just sweep a lot of bullets that's coming at you. And it lasts, lasts for a good bottle too. The offensive lancer, I see a lot of people use that with, uh, uh, with Sigma. Since it drills through enemies, and the bigger the enemy, the longer it takes to drill through. And it's level 2 uh, power is outstanding. You can just drill through the enemy since it's a bigger drill. It's a big drill. Yeah, the thing that I found about the offensive Lancer is it's it <coughs> does really good damage. But unless I had absolutely a screen full of bullets, uh, since you need to since you need to cancel bullets with your special in order to get to void stand while you're in blank stand, I felt like it wasn't as effective for canceling bullets unless you're in very specific situations in order to get those gold tokens to fill the meter and get into to void stand before your blank stand runs out. It requires a lot of uh, position. It requires a lot of that uh, placement, making the best of your best of that line and making sure you don't miss entirely. Since it only slows down when it hits the enemy. Right, yeah, it seems very situational. As for the character, Suzy, and her character art, you can actually see that she is not blind anymore. Is that she actually is, actually has her eyes not covered up. Her uh, bandages are black instead of beige. And her entire suit is now red with the Sigma insignia on her chest instead of the Gamma one. And Sigma Susie, as we call her, is a whole nother beast compared to a normal Susie. And she pressures the pilots a lot more harder and harder and harder. And she really, uh, really expects them to actually draw, actually like, use their sweat and blood to work hard to make them make themselves the ultimate weapon essentially and you'll see if you ever get to the ending of Sigma that uh, you get a, you'll get a surprise when you reach the ending so if you manage that uh, enjoy yeah I was gonna say um, 
Am I right in thinking that Sigma, the Sigma ship, is actually the TLB? You're okay. correct. So then... Instead, this Sigma ship is not a prototype. This Sigma ship is the real deal. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. Uh, so just briefly, the, the game has four modes. Uh, there's original single, which is uh, sort of the normal difficulty, uh, but a single loop with five stages and... Uh, from what I understand, you can reach the TLB in original single if you do it in one credit. Yes. Um, I I credit fed through the game a couple of times uh, just to try and get to and through the final, or, you know, the stage five boss. And I will say, <laughs> you do get a bad ending if you do that. <laughs> so just be aware. Uh, if you credit feed, don't expect a good ending. <laughs> then original full is kind of the same thing, normal difficulty, but it's two loops, and of course your your ability to reach the TLB, one assumes on a single credit again. Yes. And I never actually managed to get to the second loop, but I do know from uh, watching you stream the game a while back that uh, the second loop does have revenge bullets. It does have revenge bullets. Uh, are the bullet patterns larger or harder or faster or anything like that uh, or are they yeah. yes not only are the bosses bullet patterns faster they also get a bit harder on the second loop okay so then obviously going full blank stand in the second loop is even greater a risk than before and even greater reward because more bullets means more points absolutely okay there's light mode, which is uh, listed in the in the menu as an easier version of the game. Now, the thing that I thought it was interesting is that I didn't feel like there was any difference in the difficulty necessarily between original single and light mode. But light mode, I noticed that your you your hypermeter charges a lot faster, so you can you can do hyperstand and blank stand a lot more in a lot more quick succession than you can in the normal mode so it feels like the the yeah, cadence yeah. of that is is just a lot higher yes you can hyper more and uh, cancel more and another thing is that not only that i believe your special weapon charges faster you can use a special weapon more often yeah and your <coughs> excuse me the shield Actually, uh, your character's shield actually charges faster. Your lives actually recovers when you're missing one a lot faster than an original. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's something I don't know that we've touched on yet, is that uh, instead of a traditional lives system like you would have in, in a lot of games, the game has a shield system where you start with essentially two shield hits and then after your second shield hit, basically it goes into shield critical, where where then the next hit that you take will destroy your ship. But then your your ship your uh, your shield recharges over time, and then there are ways through score and so forth to gain additional uh, shield segments, if you will, up to I, the maximum that I found was five. Yes, the maximum is okay. five. And is that uh, 
Is the maximum still five in the second loop? Okay. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, the last mode is the Void Arrange, uh, which basically takes the standard game, from what I understand, and then adds a third level of the Hyper, which is called Void Stand. And uh, the thing with Void Stand is, like, with your Blank Stand, you get the gold medals, uh, so your Bullet Cancel at the time of, of the Hyper cancels bullets, you get gold medals, and then each enemy that you destroy gives you a gold medal or multiple gold medals if they're larger. Well, in Void Stand, you get all of that, plus you sort of get this interesting uh, reverse negative effect with the screen. Bullets become this weird sort of shadowy red thing, a uh, red pattern, and your, your shots become this intense purple color, and it becomes insane the amount of fire your ship projects. Uh, but you get platinum medals for doing that. So, of course, those are going to be worth even more than the gold medals. Yeah, they are worth a lot more. And the thing that I noticed about that mode is with with hyperstand and getting into blank stand, you can go from hyperstand to blank stand if you're collecting enough tokens and you can then activate blank stand before the timer runs out. But I found the only way to activate void stand is once you're in blank stand, you have to use your defensive technique to milk the gold tokens in order to charge the the meter. Because once you're in blank stand, everything is gold medals, and you don't get any more tokens. Well, the thing is, the gold medals actually do charge your void stand meter too. It just takes a it just takes a lot longer than compared to using the gold tokens. So if you get a good cancel while in blank stand, you you have the chance of getting uh, void stand out of that cancel. Oh, interesting. Okay, see that I that I didn't realize. So there is a kind of way to to go in and and get void stand activated without having to use your special. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Another few things about Void Range. The game has... The, Void Range has, but the other modes don't. The mode has rank. And rank only increases when you use Blink Stand and Void Stand. Blink Stand charges it slowly, but Void Stand charges it much, much faster. And so, the little bar at the bottom will show you how much uh, rank you've accumulated in stage. But when it's blue, rank is still normal. It's still uh, loop one difficulty. So there's nothing much to worry about there. But when the bar turns yellow, enemies start spraying out revenge bullets. These revenge bullets are different from loop two revenge bullets but they still spew out when you destroy them. And when you reach red difficulty, red rank, then the game starts getting hard. Not only do you get the uh, revenge budge from yellow rank, but you also go into loop two mode, where the patterns are from loop two, and the enemies will also spew out revenge budge from loop two. Wow. So. Void Arrange is seems like to me it's the sort of mode that you would tackle 
once you've become very proficient in the game and maybe have gotten a clear. Yeah. It's, it's the scoring mode of the game. Yeah, because Void of Range kicked my butt ten ways to Sunday when I played it. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and a few more things. Uh, you have to power up your ship while in uh, Void of Range. There are item carriers that you can shoot down to get items. Yeah, I noticed that. And what's the maximum level that you can reach? The, the maximum power level? With shot, your maximum power level is 5, but with focus, your power level is 3. Okay. So, you only end when you die, you only lose one level of each. So, recovery is, is pretty easy. Interesting. And then, one more small thing about rank is that the higher the rank, the faster bullets get. So, you have to be wary of that. The higher the rank, uh, the movements that you usually do won't work the second time because the bullets are faster than the last time. Cool. Alright, I'd like to talk about the graphics. The graphics have a very unique style I haven't seen before. It almost looks like it's a, uh, a very comic book inspired. What was your inspiration for the graphics in Assault Shell? Well, it's not really an inspiration, but it was sort of a developer the de- developer limitation since back when I was working on Sochi I was only an amateur at making pixel art I wasn't really the best at it so the backgrounds that you see are actually look kind of flat to them they don't have that real sense of depth that you see in other games but I kind of went with it I went with the whole style of having it be my own way so, uh, but now, but the reason being is that I made the game workspace too large. Since the resolution is 480 by 640, not 240 by 320. And so I made the game two times larger than what usually other games have their size and speed. So that's why the whole game looks flat because uh, making all those sprites is hard and having all the big uh, stuff, making big, big sprites is difficult. But I have improved in my uh, pixel art skills. I intend to improve further so that my games will look better so that the developer art won't look like something from Microsoft Paint. Not saying that Microsoft Paint isn't wrong. I do like the aesthetics of some games that have that kind of style. So it, it was a, a learning progress and it's something that you, if you had a chance to go back, you would change or is it something you look Yeah. For? Okay. If I ever go back to it, maybe if I ever remade the game or re-envision it, I would definitely change the graphics a lot. It was a lot. There was a lot I could change if uh, I had the chance to remake the game. You could do always do a salt shell remastered. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure to do it on Game Maker Studio too. Because uh, a lot I looked on Steam and looked at the reviews and 
a lot of the reviews said mentioned the graphics as the point it says don't let this the graphics um, dissuade you from buying this. this this game is good you you just need uh, don't don't basically don't judge a book by its covers and I was curious if that was a, a, a choice that you had made or if that was a, a learning process and as you just explained it was definitely something that was a learning process it's certainly better than the stuff I can draw and paint yeah definitely oh, I, I mean not to mm -hmm. not to dunk gun your paint stuff but yeah, it's okay. It is you can. <laughs> no, I, the one thing that I will say I was pleasantly surprised of is none of the colors blended together. A lot of Damaku games, you get that one bullet or that one enemy who shoots a bullet that you, you just fear. Where did this thing hit me from? That, <laughs> there, there wasn't any of that blending that happened in Assault Shell. There wasn't any guesswork as to where the stuff was coming from and what I need. Could and could not touch. Yeah, uh, I practiced uh, while I was doing a soul shell. I was practicing uh, bullet uh, color theory within the shmups itself. Within the shmup itself, and so I kind of made the backgrounds desaturated a bit since you're above the uh, ground. I desaturated them to let the bullets stand out more. And I didn't have the, uh, I made the bullets all purplish and have the sort of small glow to it. With that being, uh, with them being able to be easily recognizable. Glowing purple? Ooh, that's bad. I need to avoid that. And so that's why I made the bullets red and void orange because your shot becomes purple. And so, now you see the red bullets, and they go straight at your face like, Oh goodness, I need to avoid those ASAP. Got it, okay. Yeah, again, it was nice not to have a uh, pink bullets situation. <laughs> or a riding bullets situation. Yes. I would also have to say that I did appreciate the uh, parallax effects in there. I thought that... This, that was done nicely in some of the stages. I was interested to see if maybe, uh, and maybe I'm, I'm missing stuff one that, or getting confused, but one, I think yours, when it goes under the focus shot, you can uh, you also get a hitbox notification, correct? You do. It's, it's pretty small, but it's there. It's that small stuff that is really appreciated. There is the last thing you want to do is, oh, is this hitbox my ship? Where am I looking at? And it, 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 you need to walk a fine line between you know pixels dot and Odomedia is huge. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's nice and refreshing to at least know what was going to hit me and what wasn't. I, I really appreciate that feature. Yeah, that yeah. was something I was going to ask about. Is I know in a lot of the cave shmups and and so similar games, you have a lot of situations where where bullets are not entirely hurt box, and so you kind of have where uh, you know the outside of a bullet might be safe to pass through your hitbox, 
whereas then the inner portion is is what actually hurts you. Uh, I got the sense that the bullets in Assault Shell are pretty much all hitbox. Am I reading that correctly, or uh, or is it different? It is not oh. all hitbox. Each bullet has their individual hitboxes and stuff. And so the uh, hitbox is usually smaller than what the bullet display, especially with the larger one. You can kind of, your hitbox can be inside the bullet, but as long as it's not hitting the meat of the large bullet, you'll be fine. Okay, so I was, that's probably just me misreading that somewhat while I'm playing. Mm. So uh, let's move on and talk about the sound. First thing hot I jams. have to say, yeah, hot jams, is the soundtrack by A to B is quite good. Stage two is my jam. This seems to be a a theme in a lot of shmo- a lot of shoot 'em ups where stage two is the music that uh, I that I kind of gravitate towards. This game, Katsui, uh, you know, Blazing Lasers, all sorts of games where stage two seems to be the the music that I latch onto. The music yeah. that you jam to, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so hats off to A to B for the soundtrack. Can I just say that I am so happy to meet an artist like A to B. He's been extremely generous to work with me on my games, and he's such a chill person to work with. Not only that, but he's also a helpful person in the uh, arcade community and in the Smokes community too. He's, he's always there to help a lending hand and uh, is really uh, been helpful in testing my games too, since I, also, I send them uh, builds of my game from the test. That's I like having people I work with give their opinions as well. So make it so make it that it's our game instead of my game. Very cool. So I just want to shout out to A2B for being an overall great guy. Absolutely. And I will say the soundtrack is available on SoundCloud. Check it out. Yes it is. A2B still needs to upload the music to uh, YouTube though, but he'll do it now ah, sometime. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask you about some of the sound effects because I'm wondering if if some of what you've used is stuff that is available in Game Maker or have you done any work to sort of make your own bespoke sound effects? I made all the sound effects. I made them all through, a edit, through an application called BFXR and makes these sort of... Uh, old school-ish uh, sound effects that I use for my games. But the uh, special thing is, is that uh, I actually mix them and edit them using uh, using Audacity. And so I make them a bit more high quality or make them less uh, bit crushy sometimes while using Audacity. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the like the sound design is is pretty solid and fits the game and the overall sort of look and feel. Yeah, it's, it's something that I uh, it's a it's a good app to use if you want to make your own sound effects and if you're not a sound effects genie like the other people are. Right. So could you could you give us a little primer on scoring? So yeah. The thing with the scoring system is uh, 
Not only is it tied to the uh, stand system, your hypers, but it's also connected to your multiplier. You have a basic multiplier on the top of your screen that goes from one and doubles itself every time the bar fills up. It goes from one to two to four to eight to 16, 32, then 64, then all the way up to 64. The special thing is when you activate hyperstand, the multiplier will double at whatever uh, number it's at. So that means the maximum will go up to 128 times 128, giving you, giving you more score from items. And blink stand increases it even further, meaning that the maximum will go up to 256. It increases fourfold. So having max multiplier while being a blank stand is the high score strat while playing a, a soap shell. So being in blank stand as much as possible using your special weapons to cancel bullets into gold items and surviving getting cancels is all important while playing a soap, while playing for score. Okay. I was also going to ask, I didn't pay attention with the void stand piece because uh, I was too busy trying to not die. But I'm wondering, does in the avoid arrange mode, does void stand then double that again? Or how does that work? Yes. The hyper, third hyper void stand made the multiplier grow extremely high, being that it increases it eightfold and makes the maximum go up to times 512. <laughs> so you get those big, big points. And, and what what is it that increases your multiplier? Is it just successive enemy kills, or is there more to it than that? Uh, successive enemy kills and canceling bullets for your special weapon. We advise that when you, when you activate uh, hypers, the uh, transition from hyper to hyper, the multiplier will freeze. So you can use that time to build that hyper back up before it goes away and be set back to one. Okay. Interesting. See, I don't know that I picked up on that during the course of the month. So that really means that uh, using the hyper and, you know, staying in hyper and going from sort of one hyper to the next and so forth, there's a real, there's a real uh, tension there in, in being able to quickly get back into hyper. Yes, there is. Okay. So, uh, there are also scoring tricks with uh, defeating bosses. The quicker you kill the boss, the more score you get from it. Score is based on how much time you have after killing the boss, as well as uh, the stage that you're on. So the bonus will go up to 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, and so forth. Okay, so bosses time out, in other words. If, yeah, if bosses time out, I didn't really program it to give you a zero score, so instead it takes away it takes away score if you time it out. It's little, so it's not really significant. We really is that kind of slight punishment you get. Sure, it's a little slap on the wrist saying, "Don't time out the boss." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But another important thing with uh, killing bosses fast is that the faster you kill a boss, 
the uh, more charge you get from that boss. So you see below the score bonus, it says uh, shield recharge, shield charge number. It can go from, you can charge, every time you kill a boss, you can attain from 10 to 40 shield energy. Okay. And so, so, if you kill a boss fast, you can essentially uh, recover a shield like that. So another risk reward every, mechanic in, at play. Yes. Uh, every 100 shield energy gives you one shield. And it's displayed like it's 100. So 200 at usual is two shields. 150 is one shield and 50 shield charge. Something like that. Okay. I did note. I did notice that there is a no miss bonus. Uh, I I managed to get that in the first stage a couple of times. Uh, of what two hundred thousand? Uh, it's. It, I think it's. Oh, is it really okay? Natural. I miscounted then. So then, is that standard from stage to stage, or does that increase as you get in later stages? It increases the more times you uh, no miss. So if you no-miss one stage, you get two million. If you no-miss two stages, you get four million. And it goes up and up and up. And up and up and up. Okay, so... Until yeah. you get uh, ten million from no-missing. Wow. So it's kind of like... Uh, so that's another thing that is similar to Crimson Clover. Yes. And someone actually no-missed the entire game. But they did uh, do it on light mode. So it was kind of easy and easier for them to make it through the game, but they were able to do it, and they were able to get the achievement for it, I believe, too. So good for them! Oh, very cool. It's, they proved that it is possible to no miss the game and get that last achievement. Are there any other scoring strategies or tips that uh, that players who want to dig into the game should look for? Well, of course, there's the skill up milk with the stage two boss. You can always just milk the uh, skill items from uh, the final boss, the boss's final pattern. That's always uh, fun to do, although frustrating when you lose all your shield to it. But other than that, that should be all the bread and butter you need to know. Usually, a general strategy is to let as many bullets come on screen as possible, then. Uh, when you have the right time, you can cancel them all. Uh, stage 3 is really good for canceling bullets into uh, metals when you're in blank stand, since there are two enemies that cancels all bullets on the screen. Oh, right. Oh, and another secret. Did you ever find out how to get the uh, secret extend? Stage extend and stage I did, three? yeah. Uh, I came across that one organically, and I thought that was a nice potential nod to uh, some of the cave games. I was thinking like Katsui Stage 3 where you're, if you pick apart the, the large uh, ship you know, in the right order or what have you, and then destroy the center portion, then you get the one up. I thought maybe it was kind of a, a little bit of a nod to that where, where you basically take out all the smaller turrets or what have you, guns, uh, and then attack the large green core. If you take out all the little cannons first, then attack the green core. Then when you take it out, you get that little that little symbol that looks like the the assault shell insignia. 
Yes, the Joker, the Joker symbol. Yeah, I actually found that. I want to say it was either my first or second time I got to stage three and reached that point. I just sort of did it by accident, and then the next time I did it, I realized, oh, this is actually, uh, you know, a, a repeatable thing. An actual extent. It's there for both loops too. Cool. So you can get it from both loops. Does uh, does that give score? That little item? Uh, no, it just gives you an extend. Gotcha, okay. Speaking of extends, uh, the original mode, your first extend is at 175 million, and then for every 400 million you get another extend. Yeah, I, I managed to get to a full, you know, five uh, shield hits by getting both of the point extends and getting the stage three extend. So that was that was cool to be able to fully max that out. Mm-hmm. I believe extends in uh, light mode is easier to obtain too. And in void or range, every extend is one billion. Oh wow. Yeah, so you can get a lot of extends. And good thing I maxed it at five, because that made the game <laughs> right. easy. But yeah, that's pretty much the bread and butter. You said that you said earlier that you wanted to know a bit about the story of the game, so if I may. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole story is Amber Black, a military faction based in the Asian continent, has their influence all across the southern hemisphere. As we get on, as we get taking over other private military companies or PMCs and factions. However, the rival, the rival Joker won't stand for this. After a gap in their junkie defensive system broke down to, due to the enemy black operation, Joker begins the mission to take down Amber Black once and for all. That's why you, Joker, Joker unit number 233487, have to go and destroy Amber Black's ambition. So it's a whole battle between the military companies. Almost sounds a little similar to Katsui, right? Yeah, it's a, it's similar in that sense. The whole world setting is that the world, after having this a large cutie tar conspired by a bunch of governments all around the world, decide to break down the military structures of the majority of. Uh, the uh, continents and governments instead have them break down into independent factions that fight on uh, order. The problem is that the factions have more power than the governments in that sense since they have the weapons the governments don't. And so it turns into this whole apocalyptic uh, chaos sort of setting. And it would become the faction era, the darkest times in the uh, in this version of Earth history. Hmm, okay. So that's, it, it gives me a little bit of a Area 88 or sort of UN Squadron vibe as well. Yeah, it's like all these all these factions trying to uh, rise to power. Amber Black and Joker are also one of those factions. And as you'll see, when you unlock the uh, lore logs, you'll see what happens after the events of the game. Since there's no, since you are technically not the good guys, and you're the protagonist, but you're not good guys, and neither are Amber Black, so 
You're just doing your job. When I was reading through the character bios, I kind of got that sense that uh, that you're not necessarily the good guys. Yeah, definitely. And one thing to mention, too, is that the version of Earth that uh, these events play in is not like the copy-paste, the normal version of Earth. It's actually a diff different take on the world. It still has the seven continents, with extra continents added in due to some uh, lore back before the whole uh, social thing happened that I'm going to get to soon, don't worry about it. But oh, cool. instead, of, instead of Earth, uh, they call it AO. EAO, standing for Earth Neo. And so, because of that, uh, the time is set in uh, uh, 212 Neo, New Era, since it's a new era in the world that you're in. Okay, that makes sense. So, now we compare it to a Strange Reel from the Ace Combat series. That's one of the main inspirations from it. From, from uh, for uh, Ao is strange real. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of lore for you. I'm not gonna get all into it. The the low log, so there for a reason. But that's just to give some background as to why you are shooting things down, why you do this sort of stuff, what kind of world you're doing doing this in. Okay. And I hope to expand. I hope to expand this world in the later games that I'm working on too. So, and I've planned as well. So, please look forward to those. Yeah, it sounds like a setting that could uh, definitely have different things. It's sort of like uh, the Metal Gear series. How there's the different types of stories that could be told within that type of area with uh, different PMCs or private military companies battling out for supremacy there could be a lot of uh, stories told about humanity and the um, cost of, of war. war yeah which is very similar to what 80 area 88 does but it, it certainly gives you a, a good background to play yeah with. very cool so now that we have given an overview and some backstory on the game we thought we'd move on to thoughts from the RF generation community our first thought comes to us from Corkman. I'm starting to get a, the hang of this game. It's been a while since I played a Danmaku game and I have to shake the rust off. Also, I don't have a lot of experience with using Hypers and Shmups, so that will be a learning experience. I'll be playing for a survival for the first few weeks here, but I'll get into playing for score a little bit later. The blank stand mode, or red mode, I understand it, in this game seems interesting, but I'll save those tougher bullet patterns for later once I get a better handle on the game. Been trying out all the ships, the variety in them is really nice and allows for different gameplay types. I like the blue Katsui ship the best so far. Those defensive shields or sub weapons she has are very useful since they seem to stay on the screen and absorb bullets faster than any other sub weapons. The red ship is nice and fast, but I'm not sure how useful speed is in this micro-dodging heavy game. The green ship has a nice wide shot and might be my next favorite ship. The gray ship has a lot more potential for aggressive play, 
You can position your trailing buddies or options high on the screen and hold them there to decimate enemies. Anyways, having a lot of fun with this one. Later on he says, I'm getting much better at the pain of this game now. I think I knocked the Damaku Rost off and playing better now. Still just playing for survival. I noticed the blank stand cancels bullets as well. I've been using that in extremely dire situations where I need to cancel bullets or take a shield hit if it's available. It seems if you get past the stage 3 mid boss you almost get two shield extends since 150,000, uh, sorry, 175k is around the same, that same time, at least in my runs. Then once you have those you can go quite a bit further in the game. I've been using blank stand more often the last round of runs and got a 463,000 score. Blank stand patterns are harder but not unmanageable. I'll probably get even more into blank stand for the rest of the month. Yeah, and uh, uh, Corkman did uh, correct himself later on Discord and said he meant to say uh, 175 million and 463 million. Uh. Uh, Reticulon said, I'm currently hitting a wall against the stage 2 boss. Maybe I'm going at it too aggressively? In any case, one thing I am enjoying about this game in the early days of playing it is that it sucked me right into playing for score with the two-stage hyper mechanic. Normally, I am a survival player, but in this one, I am always towing the line with how much double hyper I can get away with to boost my power and score, despite the increase in difficulty. <laughs> and then immediately said, just made the above post, went back to the game, flailed around with the D shell, went back to my fave B shell, passed stage two boss, and got a new personal best. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so just a brief uh, look at the high scores here, and I think everyone was playing on either original single or, you know, the original two-loop mode. Cork pulled it out this month with uh, a pretty big, pretty big score victory and uh, managed 634 million... 368,400 points. Uh, I ended up with the second place score just shy of the 600 million mark. Uh, I got 593,398,600 points. And then Reticulon had uh, 135,303,050 points. Uh, one thing I noticed that I appreciated about the scoring is that uh, you did the thing where when you continue, your score continues, but then you get that last digit that increments by one to show how many credits you've used. Yes, the digit of shame. <laughs> the digit of shame. I like that. Uh, we're going to have to use that in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I would have to say, yeah, I kind of got addicted to scoring a little bit too as the month went further on and I got more comfortable using the blank stand. So I can definitely see what Reticulon is saying there that, uh, you know, you kind of get sucked into the scoring because it's, it's similar to the break and double break in, uh, in Crimson Clover where you want to be in in hyper as much as you can you know something that addicted you always say in the podcast the sort of always be breaking kind of thing yeah ABB. abb 
it mm-hmm. is you know this game kind of has a similar uh, a similar rhythm to it in that you want to be in hyper as much as you can for multiple reasons number one you canceling bullets when you start your hyper number two your weapons are stronger and you're covering more ground so you're you're able to take out enemies faster and uh and three you're scoring better so you're you're just getting that much further along and able to then hit that next extend goal a lot faster. And so it really is, it, it really all kind of plays into together to sort of work together in that sense. So that leads us into final thoughts. I, I'm, I'm going to say right off the bat, I hate the stage one boss with the power <laughs> of a thousand suns. I hate it with a fiery passion. The stage one boss needs to die in a fire slowly and suffer greatly. Don't worry. If I ever remake a sword shell, I'll make it hard. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, the stage one boss, for whatever reason, I have trouble reading a couple of its patterns. And I don't know if it's because of the graphical style of the game uh, or just my own hang-up, but... I have more trouble with the stage one boss than anything else up to the stage five boss. But some of that might be my own problem because I stuck with Susie and the slower gamma ship. uh, So it was harder to sort of macro around the stuff that I had trouble with. That notwithstanding, um, that issue, my, my problems with the stage one boss notwithstanding, I gotta say that I enjoyed this game quite a bit. I was uh, I, I was initially enjoying it, other than the stage one boss, but I was I was surprised at at how much of a rhythm I could find with the game early on and just how how refined it already felt to me in comparison to some other uh, other shoot-em-ups that I've played. And uh, so I, I, I gotta say, I'm impressed, you know, and, and frankly, I'm a little jealous <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, you know, I when I originally went to college, I went in with the intent of, of learning computer programming and... I wanted to get in and write software and eventually make my own games. And that was my thing. I wanted to try and, and uh, you know, big dreams of a young of a young adult, you know, become a hotshot game programmer kind of a thing. And <clears throat> that never materialized. You know, I went to college and I tell this story sometimes, but, you know, I went into my computer programming, uh, my computer science 101 course, and they had a... 400 level instructor teaching a 100 level course and the guy was brilliant um but within the first week we were trying they were trying to teach us the syntax or have us learn the syntax of c plus plus and within oh yeah and within two weeks of of being in class we had to start writing initial code snippets and things and so we were trying to calculate mathematical equations that I didn't understand in a programming language that I didn't know 
And so the deck was stacked against me in that sense. And, you know, I, I was not prepared for what I was getting into. And so I kind of floundered that whole freshman year. And it pretty much killed my dream of, of getting into that level and sort of becoming a game programmer. So it, it's cool to see now that, there are, that the tools and the things that are available for aspiring devs are so much more robust than what was available you know, when I was closer to your age and wanting to get into this myself. You don't have to do everything by hand anymore. But even with that, you know, you kind of said that you have used a combination of of the drag and drop within Game Maker, and then also getting into kind of what's under the hood and writing code as well. So I, I gotta say, your ability at this point to sort of glean design concepts from different shooters and incorporate them in your own way and sort of put your own spin or twist on it, it's impressive. And Assault Shell, despite uh, what you've said about, you know, there's plenty of things that you would go back and, and change or do different with it, I think it's a pretty, a pretty strong showing as kind of an initial release. You know, I know you've done a few games before this, but this is your first game on Steam, right? Yes. Yeah. As an initial release on Steam, I as my debut. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's an impressive start, and I think if you continue to grow as an artist and as a dev, the way that you know I've kind of watched you grow over the last couple of years, just sort of keeping tabs on what you're doing on Twitter and watching the development of your games and your art and all of that. I think you've got a bright future ahead of you. And th I, I have really enjoyed my time with the game this month. Again, stage one boss, notwithstanding, uh, <laughs> <laughs> stage one boss being my, being, a. Uh, a problem for me is uh, is almost at meme level for the month now, but but no, really, I, I I'm impressed by what you've managed to do, and especially what you managed to do largely by yourself, with of course the help of someone to to do the soundtrack for you, and with feedback that you get from people testing the game. But realistically, what you managed to do over the scope of a few months to the to the point where the game initially released, and then over the last year to get to the 2.0, hats off, because, uh, you know, I certainly don't know that I would have the, the ability to, even if I had all the ability to code stuff and, and design and everything, I don't know that I would have the ability to sort of put together a game that feels as well put together as this does. Well, uh, here's what I have to say to you, uh, Game Boy Guru. It's never too late. There's people out there that are making games in their 50s and 60s. And they keep doing it whether or not they make good games or not. It's all about that journey. Which is kind of ironic since I'm young and I have the problems with the journey myself. It's slow. It's kind of slow for me and I wish it was faster. 
But definitely, people out there, even in their mid middle age, are still making things, making art, making stuff. So, I would say, I would say it's never too late. Uh, one of my uh, uh, mutuals, Octane, is actually making a game himself. And it's not actually like, it doesn't look exactly the best. I know, and we all know that. But it's still fun to look at. And it's still interesting to see him work on it and talk about it and brag about all the fun things that he does with the game too. So. I would say it's never too late. Well, I appreciate that. Thank mm -hmm. you. As for, uh, my, my, as for uh, me uh, sort of signing off, I would have to say that I'm very glad to be able to uh, join the interview. I'm very able to be on the uh, Shoot the Core podcast, Shoot the Core cast for uh, September. I'm uh, really uh, grateful for all the support that I've gotten from the Shmups community and all of the uh, other communities that I've been into. I've, I'm saying that I've uh, got a little following behind me. I'm going to do my best to. Uh, Make games that they'll continue to enjoy. Make games that I'll be continue to enjoy making. I'm not going to make sure that I won't burn myself out during the process, because uh, I I cut it close, close sometimes. Everybody knows that. But yeah, finally, I would like to say that I hope everyone will look forward to the sequel of Soul Chill, Heavy Chill, which I released this August. The sequel, the sequel that will feature new mechanics, new stuff, and the continuation of the story. I hope everyone looks forward to that game. As well as our current game and project, Progress. The run again that I'm working on, Gun Angel. So, please look forward to those games as I'm continuing working out with them. Uh, yeah. Again. Thank you, Game Boy Guru, and the RF Generations uh, forum for uh, having me here and having my game be the uh, Shoot Corecast Game of the Month. I'm really happy that I've gone this far, and there's no other there's nowhere else to go but up. So that's where I'm going to go. Smuts will never die, and I'll see to it that it'll flourish. Very cool. Uh, what about you, Addicted? Do you have any kind of final thoughts on the game? Uh, I have to say it took longer for me to warm up to the game than we else. I, I think it's because of the way that I approach Mups. I mentioned before the food metaphor, and I think this has made me realize how much I approach Mups with my eyes. And it was sort of like, is this going to be good? Is this something I can enjoy? And then once I actually played the game, any qualms I had about looking at, you know, looking at the, the graphics or, or the way that the graphical style was done just sort of went to the wayside. It was initial hesitancy on my part about giving the game a try because... I, I would have to say I was so used to be just being blown away with the polish of the other stuff. No, I don't mean this as a knock against anything that was on there. It, it just it made me realize how maybe uh, 
hesitant I was to try new stuff because it didn't look like some of the other stuff that I liked. And, and that that is something that I realize I need to change. Uh, once I, it's sort of like looking at someone hands you a burrito and you're looking, hmm, I wonder what's in there. You bite into it, like, and this really has everything I love. You've got got your meats, you've got your sauce on here, you got your sour cream. It's got the rice. It's just all the flavors really work well together. And and this was a genuine uh, surprise for me. I was really impressed by it and the soundtrack for everything that's in there it certainly doesn't feel as game boy grew as point out like a freshman effort and i i think that's because you already have some other games under your belt i am looking forward to what what is produced in the future as well as updates to this if there's going to be another uh, update for assault shell may i suggest a quick restart because we definitely need that in all games i i've hate having to go back to a menu and then starting the game over again it, that's just one of those quality of life features that I think should be in every shmup uh, but I, I found the more and more that I dug into the game the more and more I liked it it was getting past that initial hurdle for me and I would certainly recommend people who do have bombs or think this doesn't look like something I would try give it a try because I think you'll be surprised thank you very much I'm uh, glad to hear that. I don't consider, I don't consider uh, updating the game with a quick restart function. I've been sitting on a version 2.4, but I uh, haven't really done anything with it yet, so... If I have time, I'll be able to uh, add more quality of life stuff and uh, be sure to get it up there when I can. Yeah, or add it to your next game. I mean, it's, it's... It's definitely something that, I, I, as I said, I see a lot, I'm missing a lot of games. I think that what we generally jokingly refer to as the M2 treatment are just really quick quality of life stuff, like having a, a couple different save slots where you can choose and replay different sections on there, a quick restart, and stuff like that that really goes a long way to help the player master yeah. the game. Very nice, thank you. You're welcome, and it was great to have you on and get some behind-the-scenes experience because it's, you know, it's sort of like the, the Penny Arcade effect. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with the Penny Arcade webcomic. It's, it's easier to sit here and play a game and uh, criticize it and talk about things, but it's a lot different when you're the one who's actually making it or learning about how it's made. It adds in a, a totally different perspective and one that I think is All definitely right. needed. Very cool. So, what do we have coming up next? A very short playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Shiki's a pretty small, a pretty short game, but it, it, it's, it's still a fun game. Yeah, so Shikondo Soul Eater uh, is our October game, and as I noted in the uh, outline here, it's on everything. It is on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, PC, and of course backwards compatible on PS5 and Xbox Series. It's also on both mobile platforms, so it's very accessible. And I don't know if it'll still be on sale by the time this recording gets out, uh, but right now it's on sale on the Switch for a little over $4. So definitely one to uh, to get in on. Uh, and then our November game 
uh, we're going to be... <laughs> this is kind of the, the thing where we, we sort of try to limit ourselves to one game every year that is... Um, ridiculously this is expensive. A GoFundMe game. Yeah, this is a GoFundMe game. I like that. That's good. Yeah, we try to limit ourselves to one game a year that is ridiculously expensive to acquire. Uh, and so for November, we're going to be playing R-Type 3, which of course was on the Super NES. And um, now, it, it also got a release later on the Game Boy Advance. Don't play the Game Boy Advance and, one. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Don't play the Game Boy I'll, Advance I'll, one. I'm still going to check it out for the podcast. May God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> it did also, within the last uh, three years, it got a, a licensed reissue through Retrobit. And of course, uh, I don't know if there are copies still available, but you may be able to find those via Retrobit or Castlemania Games. There have been a couple of places you could buy it. And so, for those of you who absolutely have to have a physical copy that may be a cheaper uh, a cheaper method to get a hold of one uh but plus it comes with some goodies yes it does and it's a very nice package actually i bought the uh the larger box version that has some extra cool stuff so that's what we're going to be playing in november as always we like to shout out and say thanks to ed uh, or Ed209 of Studio Mudprints, Bullet Heaven for the logo. Like to also thank him for making an awesome, awesome and sporting the uh, Shoot the Corecast orange shirt. Like to thank Kogosu for the intro and outro music. Everyone from the RF Generation Playcast and Collector Cast. And like to thank Metalfro for always entertaining us with his. I almost said dog and pony show, but that's not right. It's more like a dog and dog show with <laughs> your chihuahuas and making things interesting. You're right. And I also like to thank some guy for joining us and for creating this awesome game. Always, definitely. I would love to see more uh, indie content in the future. So I will be doing my best to support them. I hope you guys will too. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else you would like to plug before we wrap up some guy? Play a soul show. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you all for listening so much, and we will see you next month. Play a sword show. <laughs>